the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Best place to get comprehensive sports coverage across all the major leagues, audio, long form journalism, and up to date real time updates. Personalize your free app with your favorite teams and leagues. Check out what's hot and what's latest every single morning like we are doing right now for this show. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. All right, we're going to bounce around a little bit today. A little college basketball, maybe not what you're thinking though. <laughs> right. A little baseball. Quick update with the NBA as uh, the big money keeps getting tossed around in the NBA even in the middle of the season after the trade deadline, after the buyout deadline. There's plenty of... Uh, Dollars and cents in the NBA to get to. And uh, then we're going to, I think, wrinkle back to the Major League Baseball a little bit and talk about some of these changes, present and future, and how maybe one player could be slowing the discussions. Let's bring in Scott Allen. Scott, happy Easter. Happy Easter Monday. A couple days off here, so plenty to get to. Let's start with the NBA. I know you had a big signing. Drew Holiday, did you see this one coming? And why now? Didn't see it coming at all. Uh, I, I don't think many saw it because from the people that I follow, there were few that were even tweeting or messaging about it. Right. You know, uh, Shams broke the deal from what I saw. And then even, you know, ESPN, they put out their article, but it didn't even have an author. So I think it caught them uh, off guard as well. Was he a pending and free agent, Scott? Perspective? He had a... He, yes, he did. He had a player option that okay. he could have opted out of. And um, so he he bypasses that and now has a uh, four-year, uh, 135 is what's being reported um, with a maximum up to $160 million with incentives in there. Haven't seen the specific details, but that's the basics of what has been reported. So you've got Middleton, Giannis. Drew Holiday locked up for $105 million next season um, and and now locked up at least for the next three seasons pretty, uh, you know, at a cost, at a price. But I, I think this is kind of it's just where the league is going. You know, you get a core three that you can at least live with. You pay him a lot of money because that's what you have to do in the NBA to keep guys around. And this is just kind of Milwaukee putting their foot down to saying we're going to be here for three years. And it may not be enough, but we're going to give it our best effort. Is that your your take on this as well? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're saying we like what we see in Drew Holiday with this roster, and we're going to go with this big three for the foreseeable future and see where it gets us. So it's a, it's a max 160. Do you have any idea what it takes to get to 160 over the next four years for Holiday? No, I don't. Okay. I haven't seen. I, I know it according to what, what I kind saw. Of, what kind of incentives official, do we generally see, Scott? Is it playoff wins? Is it things? Like, what, what is it? Playing time? What, what is it kind of built into it? Um, I, I've seen it a, across the board. I've seen more of uh, first level of playoff, second round, sure. conference finals, finals. So I, I'm going to assume that that there's probably something of that nature in there because having signed Giannis to that max extension and having Middleton at the value that they have him at, uh, I would assume that there's probably something in there with getting to a championship in there. Um, I've seen it 
having dealt with playing time, how many games, sometimes it's been attached. So it's X amount of games played plus playoff situations. Um, it may be with him statistically based. It just it depends on what they've negotiated. But th the fact that they're saying it's a four for 135 and it's a maximum of 160 is saying that that $25 million in incentives there is unlikely to be earned sure. most likely just out of the gate and then once they get to that threshold it'll trigger so in the event that it, it may be that uh it's conference finals or championship and those are unlikely until triggered anyone else kind of maybe next or is mo for the most part are we gonna have to wait until the off season to see this kind of money get tossed around. I mean, you know, the Kawhi Leonard situation is interesting. I haven't heard a thing about it. Are we just assuming he's going to play out his player option next year, or are we just waiting for the Clippers to implode and then we can have that discussion? Uh, I, I, it may be more of let's wait and see where the cap is going to going to go. How is it going to go up from the three percent that it's you know, starting at to the 10% where he can make even more on top of that. Um, you know, it could be a, a chicken and mouse kind of game there um, or cat and mouse. I mean, um, as far as next up, I've seen rumors of uh, Dennis Schroeder with the Lakers possible extension hmm. there, but there really haven't been any talks there. So it sounds like, you know, he's going to try to see what he's gotten in the marketplace to see what he can get as far as, you know, surpassing what he's already going to have next year. My guess is this came out of left field. I don't, I don't expect to see any other extensions until the off season, but mm -hmm. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. It seems like it was kind of out of place, but um, I, 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 I guess think good for Milwaukee kind of putting the, you know, it's kind of a nice statement for the upcoming postseason that they're kind of here to stay. They know what Brooklyn's putting together. They know how good Philly looks when healthy, but it's kind of a nice, you know, precursor to what's to come here in the next couple of weeks that they, uh, they feel pretty damn good about themselves. Yeah. I, I think that is the case that they're, they're saying, and not only to Giannis that they made this trade and they're locking this guy up for the foreseeable future that, telling the fan base we're all in right now we signed Giannis we've got we traded for Drew gave up what we did to get him now we're extending him we've got Middleton we were we've been at the top of the standings for the last few years and this is our our push to say to the fans here we go and you know that might help with revenue in Milwaukee as well knowing that they've got these guys lined up then you know it sort of says even though Giannis is signed to the extension we're not necessarily going to trade him in two or three years. This is our core right well, don't, now. Don't we're, get crazy, Scott. It is the NBA. It, it Superstars is, no, get traded. It, it is the NBA, but <laughs> from everything I've heard and in, in, in read, you know, th these foreign players, they like to be where they are. Yeah. They do not like to jump around. They do not like to hit free agency. They have that loyalty aspect. So from everything that I've read, I, I would assume Giannis is the same, if not more than, you know, that loyalty is if not, uh, at 100. He's at like 200 with Milwaukee. So th th this is them saying we're, we're going forward. There's a little bit of a Jalen Ramsey, Laramie Tunzel, you know, Jamal Adams situation here, though, isn't there? Um, 
they gave up so much to acquire Holiday this offseason. They did. The Bucks they did. in that gigantic four-team trade, which I still can't figure out. But you know, I'm looking at it on the site right now, and there's just so many freaking parts to it that I I don't think I'll ever get there. But you know, you 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 can't have that and then let the guy walk a year later. You just can't do that. So there's a there's a bit of a commitment that that, that this contract was going to come anyway. So we might as we might as well do it early. And get it out of the offseason mess when there's a lot of other parts kind of moving at the same time. So there's there's some there's some good business logic to this early transaction as well. But you know, if they don't give up what they gave up to get him, Scott, don't you think they're sitting it out? Don't you think they're looking at a Lowry or a lot or, or somebody, you know what I mean? Maybe somebody a little younger. I just don't know that he's the perfect fit for that team. But they, I think they forced their hand with how they were acquired him. Is that unfair to say? Yeah, they may have pigeonholed themselves with that. Like you said, they they've gave up so much to get him that you feel that you you have to justify it by signing him right. now and and locking that up. The other thing is, you know, they do have some pieces that they could potentially flip in the off season to upgrade their roster if they wanted to. Again, you know. DiVincenzo, he was right. almost going to Sacramento. He's still under contract, so they could potentially flip him for somebody. Uh, there, there's always wiggle room to do something more. I mean, Brooke Lopez at 13-3 next year, you know, that's a tradable contract. If a team wants to take that on and they want to do some kind of flip with another team, there, there are those aspects in play, especially if the cap does rise more than – it's already slotted to do that just gives teams like Milwaukee a little bit more wiggle room. And let's be fair. I mean, it's, it's three teams and then a big, big drop off in the East and Milwaukee is clearly third, you know, they're kind of on the outside looking in from Philly and Brooklyn right now, which makes perfect sense knowing the kind of seasons and rosters those teams have right now. But you know, it, it it's conceivable that they're just not there this year, but they could be right there next year if you know if this glue kind of you know molds a little bit more. And in 2022, it, they just needed a year to figure it out. So I get it. I, I think it's good business. The more I think about it, uh, even if there may be a better, better available options out there, this free agency, you got the rights to this but, guy. You can, you can keep it simple, and you can upgrade your roster elsewhere if needed. Like you said, yeah, and, and like I said. Yes, the cap is it going to go up three percent, maybe up to ten percent, but being over the cap, all you, you're going to do sign in trades, or which is going to hard cap you and allow you not to go up to a certain amount, or use your exceptions and minimums. They're not going to have cap space, knowing that Giannis and Middleton are already on the books, Brook Lopez. So you know, with everything that's on the roster, they sort of had to do this because there, there's not going to be a lot of teams being able to make big, big moves because we saw it this year over half the, half the league was hard capped because of sign and trades, which limited some of what could have been done. You know, we saw that with Boston, they had that giant trade exception, but they could only use so much of it because they were hard capped and with what the salaries they already had on the books. So it's sort of a, uh, I think it's a smart move by them knowing you already have Holiday on the roster. You make him happy. You pay him. He's already gelling with the guys that are on the roster as opposed to letting him go and then trying to sign a uh, Kyle Lowry and having to do a sign-in trade with that. And then you have to 
you do have to lose things again after having lost assets and players from the holiday trade. So I think from a Milwaukee standpoint, which is not usually a free agent destination, it's a smart move. You know, I just thought of another name that kind of qualifies into this discussion, maybe a little bit, you know, in, in different circumstances, but I guess we're starting to hear it a little bit, you know, and as I'm kind of clicking through the athletic here, the name popped out at me. Steph Curry is going to be in a contract year next year, Scott. <laughs> Did you know yes. I was going there? <laughs> no, but as soon as you said it, I've, I've seen the rumblings. Yeah, it's, it is starting to bubble up. Um, you know, he's sitting on 45 million and change next year in, in a contract year. Yes, that's accurate. <laughs> and, you know, you could get him done now for about four for 215 uh, based on his experience level. Um, wh- what are we thinking about right now? Is this going to happen this offseason? Or is he going to wait this out, let the cap jump up again, and sign basically a career contract, which is what, five for like 280-ish, I think if I'm doing the math right, which that's it. I mean, he's, he's, what is he, 34? Yeah, he'll be 34 at that point after 2021, 22. So you're locking into almost 40 on another $280 million. Is, is that the mindset, Scott? There's no, I mean, there's no, he's not considering elsewhere at this point, right? Any discussions of that just seems reckless, no? Well, last week, uh, Brian Windhorst came out and said, you know, at All-Star Week, LeBron was pushing Curry pretty hard as far as, you know, recruiting aspects. So, oh my God. Um, no, I, I'm not going to say it's a lock that he's going to sign a, a full extension. I, I think if he's smart from a business standpoint, you could you could wait and see where the cap is going to go and see where Golden State is going to go next year. You know, it, Clay comes back and he's healthy and Curry's healthy and they see what their roster is going into the next season, you know, we'll see where they are in the standings. I mean, right now they're in the 10th seed. So they're just within the, the playoff, you know, playing mm-hmm. series there. So I think he's pro- if I had to guess, he's going to wait and see a, where's the cap going to go. And in two years, where is the rest of the league going to go? We've seen in one year, how much, uh, how many players have moved from team to team, whether it's, you know, going to Brooklyn or going to Philly or going, you know, all these different teams are getting swapping players. You can probably see where the landscape of things are going into the 2022 off season. You still have the rights with golden state. So you could still sign with them as if you were signing a, an extension. It's just a year later. Um, so I think if you do the wait and see, He's got more options at that point. But if he feels that Golden State is where he wants to be the rest of the career, sort of like Giannis did, we all thought, oh, is he going to go or is he going to stay? And he stayed. I, I would not be shocked if, you know, it came out. But you're out. saying don't do it early. You're saying let it ride until next offseason when he can do a full five-year extension and he'll have a better handle on where the Warriors are going for the for the next few years? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that is going to well, be saucy only, because let me not talk, only Warriors, Scott, we're not gonna, only Warriors, it's going to be like a redo of four years ago. Have you looked at the 2022 potential free agents? Not recently. Let me just to... give you a few, a, a few off the top here. <laughs> James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, yeah. Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Aaron Gordon. Holy shit, Scott. <laughs> 
can we just all vote for this? Can yeah. can we just all vote that these guys just let it ride for a year? Let the cap come back year. for a year. Let the finances come back for a year. And then these, you know, early 30-year guys all hit free agency at once and break sports. I mean, this is that is a list. That and I haven't even gotten to the young guys. That's just the the, the high vets right there. That is quite a, a potential list. Um, and you talk about super teams coming together. <laughs> if you've got if you've got those guys basically looking to finish their career somewhere, you know, on a team, a la LeBron to the Lakers, that's essentially the the, the threshold that these players would be entering. Man, oh man! I, geez, John Wall too. I didn't even say John Wall. That's that is quite a list. So I'm voting for Steph to join this list because you're right. <clears throat> if the Warriors don't have it, if they're kind of breaking apart at that point, you know, a year from now, he's going to have teams just begging him to come with two or three of these uh, of these guys and build a super team for three years. It's going to be there. So boy, oh boy, oh. that that is something to look forward to. Yeah, and, and the you know really quote unquote potential max salaries that we're talking about at uh, the 2022 year is a you know for 30 percent max is at 39 million, 35 percent is at 45 and a half million. So some of those guys are borderline between you know that threshold of do I opt out or do I opt in. A lot are probably going to opt out because, you know, this is just a yeah uh, a, a guess at what the 2022 salary cap is going to be at that point. If fans start going back into the stands more, especially in the playoffs and then all of next year, and we have a little bit of a spike in the revenue, th- that that 3% that they have a minimum for that salary cap going up every year, that if that goes up to the 10, 10, 10, wherever it may go, you know, that's rising those maximum salaries even more. So you're right. Well, this- not to mention, couldn't that also be, couldn't the 2022 NBA draft also be high school eligible at that point? I believe that is. The oh case, my goodness. So a, a rising cap, you've got that list of free agents. You've got that potential draft trigger. Um, I think I'm doing the math right. We're talking about $60 million salaries at the back end of those contracts starting in 2022. Is that correct? Yeah, it's probably getting up there towards that. Holy God. Boy, it's a good time to be in the NBA. Even even if you're the worst player. <laughs> if you're Mr. Irrelevant in the NBA, you're doing pretty well for yourself outside of the game. So uh, these are just ridiculous numbers. They still yeah. blow me away, and they're going up and up. I mean, the revenue is just good. Yeah, and then keep in mind, the CBA extends through the 20. 20- three 24 season, but there's an opt out at yeah. after the 22, 23 season. So these free agents in the 2022 free agent year could be, you know, that that's going to be an interesting from a contract perspective, sort of like we've been talking about with baseball. Yeah. Do these players just sign a one and one where they can play the one season for 2022? They all opt out of the CBA. And I wouldn't see where that goes because they may change the max structure. They may change the, the percent increase structure. I don't imagine they would. Why is it broken? Does anybody think this is broken? I mean, you know how the Warriors fix their, their cash problem this year, Scott? I just read it. You know how they're spending a ton of cash to basically be a 10 seed with Clay, yes. you know, a $40 million guy sitting on the, on the bench for the whole year. Yeah. They just sold like 12% of their, of their stake 
and they got valued at five point five billion, which is about mm-hmm. four hundred million more than most of the sites had them at. Yeah. So they're doing better than we think. They start. They sold a couple of parts off to cover the the losses they took over the past eighteen months, both on and off the court. There, that's how it's going to happen, because we forget that it's not just about what we see on TV, and it's not just what these players make. These guys are making money from from all over the place, and, and quite frankly, the basketball revenue loss is probably, you know, w- uh, uh, granular in comparison to what these venues are losing in terms of concerts. And, you know, other events that have really, they're the cash cows. That's how you pay the bills with those kind of events. So those things are kind of coming back into the fold probably later this year. So they just had to kind of cover their losses on that. And there's some, you know, there's sponsorship stakes. You can sell the naming rights. We just saw the Buffalo Bills sell, you know, sign a 10-year naming rights contract. There's always ways to get creative and find some money. There's companies that, you know, unfortunately have profited from the last 18 months and are in good shape that want to get their names out there even more and can afford to do so with these sports venues. So I'm not super worried about these owners. I never have been, but uh, I wouldn't imagine that these numbers are going down in the NBA or the NFL. Both are as strong as ever, you know, the NFL numbers free agency wise, off season wise, they're, they're getting to a bright about where they should be There's So yes, there's some creativity with the cap, but cap and cash, as you and I have said a lot are two very, very different things. And both of these leagues, Right, tax versus cash, very, very different things. And if you start to look at the two streamlines separately, it's just kind of even. You know, yes, there's been some cap crunches and create creative moments, but the cash flow is there. It's just it's there, and teams aren't afraid. They're not afraid of what's to come. So it's uh, I think it's all speed ahead for these two leagues specifically, and this is kind of an indication of that. But boy, oh boy, let's just ride it out to 2022. I'm not. I can't get my. <laughs> I can't get my eyes off of that list, that potential list that could happen. That's good stuff. All right, Scott, today's episode is also brought to you by DynastyOwner.com, the preeminent Dynasty fantasy football league using real NFL contracts, average salaries. You've got to make the moves just like the real GMs do. You know, if somebody extends a contract, is waived, is bought out, all these good things that happen inside the entire 12 months, that is the NFL now. There's no offseason in the NFL and there's no offseason in Dynasty football as well. Start today at DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself a team. You can play for fun with friends or actually try to win some cash prizes. The option's there as well. DynastyOwner.com. Scott, let's talk some baseball. We're about a week in here. There's been some trouble, specifically with my team. Uh, you know, the Mets haven't got off the ground yet because of your team. Well, your home <laughs> team, the Nats, and they're... Uh, Multiple cases out of the gate. So the Mets and Nets have yet to play. Um, I believe we've had some other issues kind of trickling throughout. But for the most part, it's been a successful, albeit weird weather, start to the year, which we'll have. The Baltimore Orioles are 3-0, and so baseball's broken. <laughs> um, I, did you see the tweet I put out about them? No, I didn't. Their opening day starting nine, Scott, cost $13 million. There's 139 players making more than that this year. 13 wow. million for their starting pitcher and their eight position players opening day. And they're three and oh. So I gotta it's not sustainable. I mean, they're not they're not a playoff team, but they're they're at least a competent team, way better than they were last year. You can already tell some of the kids have taken some steps forward. But uh yeah, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be really weird. And and on that note, I wanna jump back out because I wanna throw this at you before we get to the national championship game in college basketball. 
yes, we've had weird years, right? I, I mean, the bubble was weird. The baseball season with its COVID last year stuff, that was weird. But we there's, a, there's an opportunity here where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the only non-favorite to win their league in major American sports. I was, th- I was sitting there having a beer yesterday at Easter, thinking about this out loud. Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year. They were the preeminent favorites. Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series, the preeminent favorites. The Los Angeles Lakers were the number one overall seed. They won the NBA championship game. The Buccaneers beat the Chiefs, who I believe were the number one seed. Were the Chiefs the, t- the number one seed? If I'm I remembering so, that. Yes. Okay, so yeah. that was the one anomaly right now. Stanford women were the number one overall seed. They won the women's college basketball championship last night. There's more. I mean, the list goes on. And now Gonzaga could run the table and be the number one overall seed to win the championship tonight. So while it's it was weird getting there, and there was, you know, college basketball was a disaster for a long time, but it just seems like like the good teams are winning. Literally, they're there. That's what's happening. The good teams are winning. Yes. So is that going to continue on here? I mean, who's the number one seed right now in the NBA? Mm, overall is the Utah Jazz. So is that that's the litmus test. That's kind of the next thing to happen here. If they run the table, then we may have to look at this a little bit more because that's I don't think this is normal. It's not. I mean, generally speaking, the number one seed with pressure and, and whatever, is it a lack of fans thing? Could, could it have anything to do with that? I mean, it's kind of unprecedented, this run. Yeah, I, I think there is an element of that there because, I mean, you've had, you know, in Major League Baseball, as you're, we're talking here, we've had pitchers come out and say, yeah, the, yeah. The, a lack of fans not there, you know, has hindered some of that, you know, amped up pressure inside of them as they are throwing these pitches. Yeah, that's so, what I was alluding to. Exactly. Because it's not the I, away fans. It's the hometown fans that juice you up. And that's what the number one seed would have. Right. And in, in, in the NBA bubble last year, we saw certain players really rise to the occasion. There were no fans. Some of those players that were, you know, being talked of, of, you know, max players aren't really there during this season You're right. where there are some fans, there are some players that are at that point, you know, the Donovan Mitchells, but there are other players that are not there and have sort of fallen by the wayside, having doing the travel, having some fans in certain stadiums. Uh, so I think there is an element and it's going to be interesting from a psychological standpoint for all those people doing I their agree. PhDs I agree. that are going to, they're going to write dissertations in books and medical journals and whatever else about, you know, you said something there though, Scott, cause I, I, I rushed right to the fans part of it, but the travel part of it is big. Yes. You, that you, you kind of threw that in. That's a big part of this because the sleep, the, the hotel food, you know what I mean? Like all of that mm-hmm. mixed in to a, to an athlete's kind of lifestyle versus, kind of being at home or, or having a more consistent sleep schedule, a more consistent nutrition schedule. I, I bet that's a big part of this. I bet it is. And I bet you're right. When the, when the nerds get out there and do these dissertations on it, that that'll be a big, big pullout is just the regularity of kind of a nine to five, right? We turn sports into a nine to five situation with this pandemic and the good just got really, really good. You know, talent kind of won out at the end. 
That's a really strong point that the regularity of it, I bet, really meant more than the lack of fans. Although for clarity, you're right, for not being amped up, like you said, that has to be a factor. You're right. Starting pitchers is the perfect the perfect model for this because nobody's affected more throughout the game pitch by pitch by yeah. the psyche of it all, by the psychology of it all than, than starting pitchers. So super interesting. I, I just, I, I was literally sitting there, right, you know, kind of thinking with myself and I, I can't remember a time where the number one seeds ran the table like this. So, you know, thank God the bucks are here. Otherwise this would be a really, really big story. Um, so we'll see what happens. Gonzaga tonight. Baseball wise though, you know, the Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers. Do you have they any, are they already look like they are going to be, you know, I know cousin Dan and I went under on them because it just seems unlikely that anybody goes 110 or whatever it's going to be in terms of the total wins. But they, uh, they are David. They, they are Goliath here. Right. And everybody else is playing for second, even though the Padres are certainly worthy advocates right now. But, um, is baseball. Okay. <laughs> Cause I get, you know, I, I like to have fun this time of year. I, I work my ass off to get these payrolls kind of up to snuff, especially the pre-arbs and some of those harder to find ones. And I'll put out nice tweets. And, you know, generally speaking, there's three or four guys at the top of the list and then a big middle class. And it's right now, it's the Dodgers and everybody else, as you and I have kind of discussed. And the tweets that have come back from <laughs> when, I, when I post these numbers, and I don't have an opinion on them. I just post the numbers. People seem pretty pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that either their team isn't paying or not enough teams are paying or why are the Dodgers being allowed to spend so much? Why isn't there a salary cap? You know, you get, you get kind of different versions of this. Where are you with all this? We've talked about that. There's, there should be a floor. I don't know if we'll ever get there because I, I just don't know if major league baseball is healthy enough to force payments. I just don't know, you know, and I understand that we just saw <laughs> Lindor kit get 380 or 341, excuse me, um, really without trying. It was kind of normal negotiation. So, you know, your, your, your one-off players certainly are still getting the money. Is baseball okay? That's the question. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I, because for the fact that we saw, you know, you, you see – Teams like the Colorado Rockies who signed Arenado to the extension, but then they flip him, you know, it, that's not good for baseball. You want and This is where the NBA for the most part has done a very good job of structuring it. So you have to go through the draft and keep, they have where they do have flaws. They do have those incentives to keep those guys that you have drafted and give them extra amount of money. Yeah. Um, but in baseball, you're trading a premier player for absolutely nothing. And I guess that goes back to, again, what we just talked about with matching salaries, whether, you know, in, ba in basketball, they should get rid of it or keep it or whatnot. In baseball, th there are, they can send a guy for, yep. you know, a, a 21st round draft. For a 17 year old kid who's never touched a field. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's and generally what happens. Never, <laughs> and probably is never going to touch the field. And they're they're tinkering with the minor league system. So who knows with that? I, I'm going to say, yeah, they are in trouble because when you do when you don't have the parity, people love underdogs. And if you don't have those underdogs and yeah. it's always Goliath at the top, people are really going to 
be turned off by that. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like Alabama Clemson every year in the national championship. It, there gets to a point where the majority of casual fans are just like, Oh, this is, this is what it is again. I, I, I know what's going to happen. Okay. Um, Let me give you a stat and then a solution. Okay. How's that? And maybe we'll finish up here. Actually, no, we got to get the bill self. Remind me. We got to get the bill self, Scott. All right. It's important. Okay. Here's the stat. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven of the 30 Major League Baseball teams have at least half of their active 26-man roster pre-arbitration contracts right now. Eleven. Wow. The Orioles right now have 17 of 26. <laughs> 17 of 26 contracts are wow. pre-arb, which means they're about $570,000 each. 17. So, so they're essentially a minor league team. So let me, let me, let me yeah. pose this to you before you give me your solution. Uh, is baseball getting to a point where they need to be like EPL, where they have a relegation system and their, their minor league is their lower tier. And so many these, people have asked for some league to do this, whether it's the NFL, but I, I think baseball <sighs> is in that position because you, Yes, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be the anomaly where they 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 are making it up and they get to the championship. But teams like the Orioles, the Pirates have been bad for so long. You know, cousin Dan saying the Rangers are going to Scott, be it's not the worst idea in the world. Because minor league baseball is downsliding as well for financial purposes. So could you fix two with one? By yeah, allowing so. bad major league teams to slide down and kind of hold the weight there. And you bring in your high draft picks, you bring in your high prospects, you kind of, you know, there's already this alternate pool now because of the pandemic situation. So these guys are all kind of sitting there practicing together now, which is good for the game, in my opinion. Um, do you just turn that into a power triple A league, you know, like the Champions League in, 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 in Premier Soccer? that could graduate to the premier league with wins. It's not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. Um, it's never going to happen, but it's, this is, this might be the league to do it. You're right though. I mean, that stat right there is too much. There are, there are only five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are only 10 teams of the 30 that have less than 10 pre-arb contracts right now. 10, only 10. And it is, uh, you know, your Yankees, your Mets, your Dodgers, your Cubs, your Phillies, your Giants. It's your major markets. It's, you know, if you're in a big urban city right now, you're at least a, you're at least affording arbitration players. If you're not, those guys are gone before they get to Arb three. They're either getting designated, which we saw a bunch of this year, or or traded for peanuts just to get their ten million dollar arbitration salaries off of your payroll. So. In this regard, just looking at this data alone, to me, baseball is not okay. And look, I'm not discounting the pre-arb players. They're freaking great. I mean, most of these teams have, have young kids right now that are outstanding. And I don't want that to go away. But this can't be the trend because these guys are pre-arb for three years before they get to ARB1, which is like a $2 million salary in most cases, not even. Okay, it's a slight jump up between one and three million, and then it goes up from there. But for four years, these guys are unbelievable. It's NFL without the signing bonus. <laughs> okay, you know, like 
you know, you could get Pete, Pete Alonzo at four years for $4 million essentially. And you're saying, oh, it's like a second round pick in the NFL. Yeah. But that guy got a $5 million signing bonus. Okay. And Pete Alonso's maybe got a $600,000 signing bonus five years ago <clears throat> before he had to train in single A and, and all that. So, you know, maybe we have to start. Maybe it's about starting right at the bonus, right at the time of signing or drafting these players and reallocating funds to that moment so that we can then allow these players to stretch out a little bit with a little bit more financial freedom and then get them acclimated to the to the to properly, whether it's to a, a high AAA league or whatever's going to exist at that point. Who knows what's coming in the next you know few years? But if you're gonna let this happen, if this is gonna be part of your game, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, then we've got to front load money. And we can't rely on teams to have these pre-arb extensions like we've had, like we've seen, you know, a dozen or so of. That's just not gonna happen with most markets. It's not. And guys aren't going to agree to it most of the time because you can't have those. You can't have Ronald Acuna agreeing to eight for 100 and then, and then right around the corner, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. plays 40, you know, has 100 plate appearances and gets 340 million fully guaranteed. Those two things shouldn't exist together. That's, this is not right. There should be some symmetry to, to the finances. It shouldn't just be, you know, state versus federal, which is what this is becoming, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's who's running the damn show here, honestly. Uh, so the pre-arb stuff really, it concerns me, not because of the baseball, but because of the financial side of it. Here's my solution. And, and it's going to completely throw you off here. It has nothing to do with money. <laughs> my solution is the Los Angeles angels have to win the freaking world series this year. Okay. Because there's a lot of things that will come with that, Scott. A lot. For one, they have struggled so much in team building, so much, and coaching, and, and a lot of things that just matter more than people want to admit they matter. Um, but they have two things going for them right now. Obviously, Mike Trout, who him getting on the, on the big stage is going to help a lot, a lot, because he's the right guy to win. And two, they have Shohei Otani. And, you know, the shifts, the, the robot umps, the, all the stuff that we, we sit around here and kind of <laughs> brainstorm with now, and they're becoming realities in minor league baseball. I mean, these are real case tests, case tests um, the pitch clocks, all these things, you know, pulling, eliminating the amount of relievers you can use. This is a guy, the DH, to, to transition here. This is a guy now that wants to pitch every four days and wants to play every day. And he's hitting for himself in an American league as a pitcher. Okay. This, we haven't mm-hmm. seen this before. And he's international. This is, this is cash. This is, this is cash and eyeballs, serious eyeballs for major league baseball in a lot of reasons. Number one, cause he's great. Number two, cause he kind of, he's doing things that we haven't seen in a while in baseball. I'm not sure we've ever seen a starting pitcher consistently hit at a high level. He batted second last night, Scott. <laughs> That's not normal. That not is not normal. And, and, and no other manager but Joe Madden would have done it. And Joe Madden went on, on ESPN Live and, and basically said, I sat with this guy for days talking about this because there's so much strategy that gets involved, Scott. When he comes out of the game, now you got a Joe Schmo batting second. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to basically go one inning from there out. 
this guy's different. He's different in a lot of ways. He's really, really good. He hasn't been healthy. If this guy can stay healthy and that team that has finally been put together well, maybe above average, finally, with a manager who has won, and he's won with awkward rosters, Joe Madden. He, he hasn't had the Dodgers ever. He's had, you know, weird kind of co- compilations, especially in terms of pitching. If he can win this thing, right on the precipice of what could be a strike or a lockout or whatever might be coming, a lot of good things can happen. Because if you've got Otani on the national stage, in the national spotlight, with big-time international eyeballs on him, which there will be. There will be. We saw this with Suzuki. We saw this with players before. Yes. And he's different. He's not, you know, Matsui. or uh, He's not traditional, hit the ball out, have fun. He is a step above. He's, he's an athletic freak, quite frankly. Baseball can really ride that wave, and it will, be, it will behoove them. It'll be a problem for them to stop baseball for whatever petty arguments they have. There's some serious arguments, but there's a lot of pettiness, too, between the union and the league right now. Always has been, and it's maybe at its highest level. But if the Angels win the World Series and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are on top of the world in this sport, they can't stop baseball. You've got to ride that wave like you've, ha- like you've had to do before. There have been certain players that when they get to that point and they're in the national spotlight, you just have to go with it. And I think that those guys getting there can help us not have a long-term strike. They may strike. They may have a long winter, whatever it's going to be. But I think that there's a chance that the combination of what that team looks like, and, and by the way, Joe Madden, who will say whatever the hell he's thinking, he will. So if you've got him in October kind of speaking his mind, it's all good things for baseball. It's going to be eyeballs. It's going to be streams. It's going to be good things. So I know it's April 5th, and I'm slightly overreacting to what I saw last night, but I know the kind of talent that that team has. Look, Rendon, you saw him for many years. They've got players in that team. They've got they real, do. real talent on that team, uh, young and old now. And I think Madden is kooky enough to kind of get this thing done. So that is the perfect way to get us to a lockout <laughs> and then get us through that lockout is to have those guys riding high. So just a quick little uh, rant there about maybe something to look forward to in 2021 with Major League Baseball. Because after this year, who the hell knows? And I think that's what a lot of smart people are saying right now. Scott, give us a little breakdown on Bill Self's lifetime contract with Kansas just a few months after he's on tape basically basically admitting to cheating. Yeah. A five-year contract that is a rolling lifetime contract. So every... Every year that is exhausted, they add an extra year to the deal. So he is at Kansas for, quote-unquote, his lifetime. At $5 million a year, plus incentives, right? Yes, $5 a year, plus incentives per the the reports that are out there. He's got, um, you know, there's other financials in there, uh, a personal per jet travel of $240,000, assuming that's for like recruiting and those kinds of things. Um, and has an annual retention payment of $2.4 million. Uh, I was actually surprised to see that this is not uncommon. Uh, I thought this was a unique structure, but apparently there's a couple other coaches in, in NCAA that have this structure, uh, Tom Izzo has one, but it's a seven-year um, 
rolling contract and Matt Painter from Purdue has a five-year rolling contract as well. So, you know, what, maybe we'll meaning start. what Scott with Izzo, do you know? It just renews every year with a, a, a seven year term. So after this year, it bumps up to, you know, they're adding a new year after every year is extinguished. Okay. So similar, similar with self, his is a five is those is a seven. Um, but you know, the interesting aspect is, the buyout part. Yeah, They're, let's get this, to it. This article, this article that I'm reading from USA Today is saying the buyout is anywhere between 5.4 and 7.8 million dollars, which means there's no future guarantees. Correct. So, if he leaves after this season, he'd probably get next year's salary and nothing more. So five and change or whatever incentives he would have made this year in the tournament, probably. That's a big, that's a big difference. So yes, there's a lot of crazy here, but that is logical. That is one of the first logical things I've seen in a college coach contract. Cause I've seen a lot of crazy. For instance, I'm looking right now, you know what John Calipari's buyout is right now? $54 probably. million. Dollars. Yeah. <laughs> 54. Yeah, it's six years. He's, he wow. makes $8 million a year. He's the highest paid coach in college basketball, rightfully so, for a lot of reasons. But he's got a six-year buyout. So he's at their... I mean, they are at his mercy. It is all on him to figure out his career, basically. So Yeah, and that's why I said it's a, it's a quote-unquote lifetime contract because, you know, if something else comes down with allegations or they need to... Sure. Well, no, hold on there. Hold on there. Okay. If new allegations come out, yes. But do you know that right. there's a clause in this this thing? I actually read some of this. There's a clause that says he, the Kansas will not remove him from his duties for anything that has previously been reported. So if the NCAA comes down and says, "All right, that stuff that happened, you know, 18 years, what was it, Wiseman? Who was it? It was a Wiseman big, was Memphis. Yeah, Wiseman it, was Memphis. Yeah, it was a big player. Um, whatever there was a sneaker situation going on you know the stuff that happens that we all know happens and he's on he's on the phone he's on a recorded phone call basically saying you know get this done whatever it is you know yeah talking about the terms there hasn't been anything it's been self-induced kind of suspensions um you know that could still come back and circle back i guess but kansas will not fire him for anything that comes out from that incident it's in the contract so yeah, there could be new stuff that I guess gets them and their buyout kind of guaranteed, uh, you know, they're covered at least a little bit in terms of this school, but I'll take lifetime rolling contracts if it means that they're being smart with the buyout money, because I think the buyout money is one of the biggest things destroying college sports right now, because John Calipari's buyout in Kentucky is limiting the rest of Kentucky sports. Let's be perfectly honest. Yes, you're right. You, you, sports are being cut because of the leash that John Calipari is on right now and how well, long it, he's being let out. Emily made a great point when she was on a couple of weeks ago when they were looking at the finances, you know, in the, the the money that she was talking about. You know, I forget the percentage, but it was a high percentage was the buyout money versus yeah. the money that's actually Yeah, I think she was at Texas allocated. Tech. You're right. Yeah, that you're right. It's unbelievable. And it's, you know, you have to basically hold a separate set of books for past payments because the deferred and bio payments have got to be all over these universities. So 
if I'm going to take away anything from this Bill self-contract, number one, good for him. He's probably, you know, he is a Hall of Fame coach. There's no question about it. And, you know, the fact that he's got implications against him, who doesn't? Let's just be fair. Who the hell doesn't? But the fact that they're doing rolling payments with non-cumulative buyout, that is sensical to me. That makes sense. There's some logic to that. So I, uh, it's a step in the right direction for me. Maybe this is the start of a, a new dawning in college sports. We'll see if college football ever gets here. But um, a lot of interesting things to read there in terms of self, you know, luxuries and things like that, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. But $5 million a year with no cumulative buyout sounds good to me. Agreed. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Lots of these stories you can find on The Athletic and visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off. Check out Dynasty Owner. It's time. I'm, in, I'm deep into fantasy baseball right now, but I've already got my eyes on football as well. As many of these moves are made, we'll have a couple of people on soon to talk about how those moves impact your fantasy rosters for 2021. Dynastyowner.com. Get you started on the real salary NFL fantasy football league. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. We'll